Mm. Mm. Should we just do that? But for I guess a cold that's, open. I guess that's mm. placed on you. That's 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 lost on you, though, right? Illusion. Teamwork, guys. More teamwork. They're burying us alive. Eddie Shore. Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old time hockey. Piss on old time hockey. You're blowing it. And now between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast. Here's Arden Caleb. Between the Stammers is back. It's Wednesday, October 23rd. The Canucks are coming off a 5-2 win over the Detroit Red Wings, now 6-3 on the season. Captain Bo Horvat gets his first career hat trick. Quinn Hughes is on power play number one. Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko are playing really well. Jake Vertanen also his first goal this season. Caleb Kirby here alongside myself, Art Aronson. Caleb, how are you? I'm doing well, Art. Natural hat trick, too. All goals in one period. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. It's pretty studly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone is looking at us through the looking glass behind you. I get the feeling he wants your expertise, Caleb Kirby, on water. I'm not talking to this guy at all. He's got a Flames hoodie on. Why would I even bother? Yeah. he's. I've seen that guy rep Flames hoodies and Canucks jerseys. What's he even doing? Well, we'll ask him right now. Okay. Scott James. Scott James of the Q Midday Show. Special guest. What are you doing with the Flames uh it belongs to the lovely woman. Never mind. Shut up. Let's see here. <laughs> you wear it a lot for someone who doesn't actually because own I the sweater. Her very much. Okay. <laughs> All right. What's going on? You got a problem with that? Do you know what the uh, drink limit is on BC ferries? I think it's one, one per meal. One yeah. per meal. Yeah. The Pacific said, buffet. They were saying two at one point. Oh no, one is what. Yeah. Join the party. Uh, cool. Scott James talking about the BC ferries uh, new roll out of their drinks or they're serving their drink service there yeah are you gonna take advantage of that curb no yeah you gotta buy the pacific buffet like. dude I, I you know what i've been sneaking into that pacific buffet with like jack daniels and mixing it with coke for the longest time okay. you know if you're listening bc fairies try and stop me <laughs> i dare you they wouldn't stop a guy right? yeah like you it's it's fine yeah you i'm heard- not i'm not going out and buying a, a beer on the ferry who cares yeah right maybe you should uh tell them that Eh, it's fine. Okay. I'll, you, I'll leave that where that is. Okay, where do you want to start? Oh, that wasn't a good start. Somebody just walking in on the podcast <laughs> asking about BC Ferry stuff. <laughs> Anyways, um, if yeah, I, I mean the game last show, night. If, he, if I walked in on his show, I'm sure that wouldn't fly, so that's interesting. Anyway, the game last night. How about that? So the game on Tuesday, the Canucks ended their four-game road trip. Three games, or sorry, three wins, one loss. Pretty sweet. Yeah. They were trailing 2-0 going into the third period and then scored five straight goals. Dude, you know what was funny about that is the Canucks were out shooting Detroit, but Detroit looked like the more dangerous team with their scoring chances, right? Like, I for the first two periods of that game, I was just like, man, like, I see the shots, but I don't see the scoring chances for this team so far. They're kind of getting shut out. And one thing that was really bugging me in that game was Seemed like they were rushing the passing a little bit on their on their power play earlier on, and um, the Red Wings were just pressing. They were taking like three guys and going after whoever had the puck. And uh, you know, once the Canucks found like a bit more of a rhythm on that power play, I really, really think it helped them out. Well, they had a lot of power plays in the first two periods and really couldn't get too much going. They had a couple of chances. Uh, Horvat uh, really could have had a, another goal. He could have had yep. four goals because he had a tap in in front that. Nice save there by Howard. But uh, Horvat got his later, playing in front of the net. 
couple of uh, nice plays by Quinn Hughes, who is now on the first unit power play. How do you feel about that phenomenon? I'm happy with it. Um, I don't know how how effective I feel like Brock and Petey are going to be playing their natural sides. I'd still like to see them on their opposite sides for a one-timing chance. Um, well, they switch off and on, I, well, I, I find, mean, when, right? when, depending on the play. Well, when it was Edler out there, they were all, all on their shooting sides, and since Quinn's been out there on that power play, they've played on their natural sides. Now, Caleb's been screaming at the TV and Newell, uh, and the Canucks power play saying that he thinks that uh, Horvat shouldn't even be on the first unit power play. I just think, like, I know that they're trying to load up this this first unit with talent, but I think if you had two guys on the back end in Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers and you put Petey and Bess on their shooting sides rather than their natural sides, you'd have two opportunities for some really good one-timers. And JT Miller, I think, is is good enough in front of the net to play that role. I just think, like, I see what they're doing with their power play now, and I think it's fine to try it. But ultimately, I'd really like to see him try what I just suggested at some point this season just to see how effective it is. There's enough talent on this team for this power play to be one of the best power plays in the league. I truly believe that, and I don't think that they've um, experimented enough with it. Well, it did result in two goals from Bo Horvat. Yeah, and that and that's fine. But, I mean, like, if you put Bo on your second unit – Rather than a guy like Sutter in front of the net, I'm sure Bo could help out that power play as well, right? That's the, that's the thing. If you want two effective units, I think you need to split them up a little bit. And and Bo, to me, if you want him as a net front presence, he could work better on that second unit. That's just how I feel. I mean, or if you wanted to, you know, leave Bo on that top and try JT Miller in the front on that second unit, that's fine too. But I'd like to see those two D-men with their, um, you know, off hands. Tyler Myers being a right uh, winger, I mean, right D, Quinn Hughes being a lefty, making those passes across to PD and Bess when they're in those shooting positions. Because, you know, we are getting those greasy goals that I've been calling for like last season, but we aren't getting the snipes. And um, I'd like to see some more of those. I think before the two goals by Horvat, we were wondering what's going on with the power play because they had – I think they'd gone for a, a slump there, like 0 for 21 or something, heading into that third period against the Red Wings. So it's not perfect. No, for sure. I, it's still a work in progress. And, I mean, Travis Green said, too, he's like, these guys are still young. They're still trying to figure out their power play. But I, I'm just – I'm really open for more experimentation on this power play moving forward. I'm really glad, glad Quinn Hughes is a part of it now. Um, I thought the penalty kill, even though they gave up two in that game, I thought that – that line was pretty strong again, those penalty killing lines. I mean, five on three, four on three, like that's going to happen at some point. And uh, full credit to the Red Wings on those uh, power plays. They they com- took complete advantage, right? Markey didn't really have a hope on either of those goals. And other than that, Markey was lights out. I thought he was the better goaltender uh, all the way through the game. Because like in the first two periods, the Red Wings actually had like legit scoring chances, and Markey closed the door. Well, I knew the game was going to be tougher than some might expect it to be because the Red Wings had been embarrassed by the Canucks earlier this season, right? Yeah. But I just think that they were ready to come out and not be embarrassed again. So the the positive though is like seeing this team again scoring over three goals in a game, like they they jar five. Um, seeing a fourth liner contribute again in Schaller, like 
seeing scoring come from other um, facets of this team rather than just the top line, rather than depending on a guy like Petey to get it done. Like, Petey's been relatively quiet on the scoring front. Like, he he has points and he has apples. He got an apple, I think, on that Schaller, on that Schaller goal. But, um, you know, it's just good to see the scoring come, and it's good to see the scoring come in bunches. Like, it kind of feels like this team can go off at any moment, and uh, we haven't really had that feeling with, with the Canucks in the past few seasons. Since our last podcast, the Canucks got a come-from-behind win over the St. Louis Blues last Friday. Uh, or maybe that was Thursday. And then they had uh, the one nothing loss to the New Jersey Devils. Yep. And then the 3-2 win over the New York Rangers. And then the blowout win over, well, not really a blowout, but the four the 5-2 win over the Red Wings. So Canucks are rolling right now. They have... Uh, they're six and three on the season. They've won six of their last seven games. This team's—it's uh, been kind of a soft schedule. I think that game year. against the Rangers, though, is really a testament to the resolve of this team, too. Right? Like you go in and you play New Jersey, and that game, like although I thought that game was kind of dog shit offensively from both sides, New Jersey and Vancouver, um, dude, like the amount of chippiness in that game was crazy. Like, that game was super physical. A lot of guys were going at it. A lot of guys were, you know, hitting each other, chopping each other. And then the next day, you got to go into MSG and try and win there. Like, I guarantee you that lineup wasn't 100%, wasn't feeling um, perfect to go in and play in Madison Square Garden. And the Canucks jumped on the Rangers really early. It was like the perfect road game where – you know, the first two periods, they play really, really well. And then in the third, they just kind of hold on to the lead and, and and take the win. But, like, we need to be talking about goaltending more than we have, I think, on this podcast. Both goaltenders have been absolutely fantastic. Like, Marky and Demko have been stealing us games and holding us in games like there's no tomorrow, right? Like, if this keeps going, if this is st- sustainable, which is a huge question mark, like, moving forward... I don't see how this team can't make playoffs because you can ride a goalie alone. Like, I mean, St. Louis proved that last year with Bennington. Well, we got a look at Thatcher Demko. He got to play three games in a row with Markstrom going out with his personal leave. So that was pretty nice to get to see him play three games. And he more than held his own, really, I thought. Uh, Back to the New Jersey game, though. The Canucks got shut out in that game. And I, when I look back at that game, I go to my, I think to myself, that was a 10 a.m. start Pacific Standard Time. Or was it 11? 11? 10. 10, yeah, it was 10. Yeah. That's that's tough. Going out east and having to play that game. Uh, and then, for whatever reason, Mason Blackwood has the Canucks number. He just he just does. Was that more on Mason Blackwood, or was that just the Canucks not able to, you know, generate any offense? Well, I think Cheech brought it up in the broadcast, too. He says, like, it wasn't just, like, Mason Blackwood. It was just the building. Like, they can't win in that building. Like, they're cursed. They haven't been win- able to win in that building for years. The swamp. You know? Um, but, like, there's a lot of things going against you when you head in there. Like, a 10 a.m. start isn't easy for any player to get accustomed to, let alone two in a row. And I thought the Devils just, they played stingy hockey that game. It wasn't just Mason Blackwood. It was just, like, they didn't generate any chances. The Devils didn't really generate any chances at all uh, either. It was kind of a blase game from from both sides, except for the physicality. Did it? I just thought the shutout though kind of reminded me of you know the terrible run that the Canucks had 
last year. You remember that run where oh, yeah, of, absolutely. Of crappy games and you're like, I'm like, oh, here are we well, going to go through this again? There's a little bit of cause for concern because, I mean, they've already been shut out twice, once by the Flames and once by the Devils. But aside from those games, like they've been going off um, with with goals and some of the other ones. So it's, it's kind of hard to tell what you're going to get. But I think a 10 a.m. start in New York isn't really in their favor. And also I think that the Devils – um, the way they played that game, they played it stingy. It, it kind of reminded me of like the Jacques Lemaire style Devils back in the day that that uh, didn't really give you a chance. They kind of took away the neutral zone. They they forced all the plays to the outside. The Canucks couldn't generate the speed that we've seen in other games. Right? We saw that speed on full display last night against Detroit. There are some sometimes when Quinn was ripping through the neutral zone where I was just like, oh, man, especially on the power play later in the game. Like, that was so nice to see um, rather than the drop pass behind. Like, they were just going in with speed and establishing the zone, which is, you know, again, something that uh, we've been talking about on this podcast for a while. That was fun seeing the Hughes bros go against each other as well. There was a nice moment before the game where they got a picture with each other. They're about the same size. Yeah. It's interesting, though, hey? Like, the Canucks always seem like they're that milestone team where a player or, or somebody gets something against them. And in, in that case, it was Jack Hughes' first rookie goal. So, yeah, milestone goal. Uh, one other thing I wanted to note, uh, I did have a clip from Bo Horvat just talking about how important it was to get that win against uh, Detroit because that was the difference between going home five and five on the road trip and going home three and one. And coach said it's definitely, and we all said it's going to feel a lot better um, going home three and one than, than uh, um, you know, 500. And I thought we, we gathered it up here in, uh, in the third period and scored big goals when we had to. And it's going to feel nice going home on the plane with another two points. Now, Bo Horvat getting that uh, hat trick. Travis Green was asked after the game whether you know he thought maybe that uh, the whole captaincy thing kind of has been slowing down Bo Horvat over the last little while, and he said he agreed. He feels that Bo is kind of starting to find his uh, groove again after a few games there where maybe Horvat was feeling it, the weight of the captaincy. Do you buy that? I mean... Since he's become the captain, they're six and one. I don't think Bull Horvat's played a bad game, whether he's hit the sheet or not. Like the guy is exactly what we want in a captain. I think moving forward with this franchise, and I think Bo will step his game up from his goal totals and assist totals again from last year. Like he's a great player. He does a lot of things right. You one know? of those things, actually, you said you wanted him off the first unit power play, but he is first in the NHL. I read a stat in. Uh, and power play face-offs yep. percentage. So you want to uh, you want to get the puck, right? Yeah, you want to get the puck. I mean, he, he's he's um, he gets to choose what side he wants in a lot of those offensive zone starts. I think that was it. I don't think it was necessarily power play face-offs. I know his offensive zone starts. He was first in the league. Um, ben and, Kuzma had the uh, and and a lot of that is is because the other team gets a. The other team gets to um, ice the puck on you, and you get to choose what side you take faceoffs on. I mean, if if it is power play faceoffs, that's great too. Power play faceoffs, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I well, uh, I read this stat this morning. All right. Well, I mean, like I said, if he's um if he's on that first unit power play, right? I think you 
you get a guy like JT Miller off there and put him in front of the net. But one of those two guys, I I don't think you need them both out there. I'd rather see another D-man come in there for to to get PD and Brock going on the power play because those are the guys with the shots, you know. I think a power play should be more than just one dimensional. Twenty one for thirty seven power play draws, eighty four percent. First in the NHL. Okay. Fourth in even strength, sixty. Point three percentage. So that's pretty studly too, right? Yeah. So Beagle, I think, is in the defensive zone. Beagle's like fifty four or something, which is incredible because with that new rule now, like the other guy gets to decide what side he wants to face off on, and Beagle's still over fifty percent winning those draws. So to me, that's you know just as impressive, if not more impressive, with um, you know getting the puck out of your zone with possession. Well, the Canucks are on a really nice roll right now, and it's hard to say anything bad about anybody. And it's I don't think so. Easy to be glowing. I think you can say some bad things about some players on that team that need to step it up. Furlan is a guy who hasn't got going at all yet. He had a, again one shift in the last game where I was like, okay, that's a nice shift, but like, where's that game been in night in night out? We're nine games in. You know, last week we talked about success on the road trip, right? And we both said if the Canucks go over five hundred, this is a successful road trip. We said five hundred would be okay. Over 500 is great. They won over 500. That's awesome, right? But another thing we said last week was Michael Furland's got to get going. And the cushion should be 10 games. We're at nine games now. I almost feel like we should scale it back and say, yeah, maybe sit him now, right? So you put him in the press box. Who would you bring in? Louis Erickson, Adam Gaudet. Gaudet all day. Right. Because, I mean, that's we also mentioned earlier this season – talking about getting scoring from, you know, three lines instead of um, two lines. And I think Gaudet gives the Canucks a more offensive dynamic on that third line if you put him down the middle, put Sutter on one wing, right, and then have Levo out there on the other. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like Furlan has a spot really on this team yet. And well, he's got to he's got to prove he, he can have a spot on this team. He hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, he hasn't figured out a spot where he's comfortable. Yeah. That's clearly what's happened. So, yeah. So, I mean, there are some things that they, they need to work on a little bit. But um, I've been super impressed with that fourth line, man, with the way that they're killing penalties and the way that they're contributing on the sheet. So the fourth line of uh, Jay Beagle, Tyler Mott, and Tim Schaller having a really good run right now. Uh, my problem with that line is, are they, is Travis Green just playing them a little bit too much? I just kind of look, and I say this because I remember Jay Beagle last year. He wore down through the entire season, and he was just, he was a different player at the end of the year last year. And I see him playing some heavy, heavy minutes, and he plays tough minutes against the other team's best line. And he's penalty killing, and he's, you know, all those board battles against the good players. Uh, Are you at all worried that maybe, perhaps, he's playing too many minutes? That's my problem with the fourth line and the way it's being deployed right now. Um, I think the third line has the ability to take some weight off of that that fourth line, whether Gaudet's centering it or Sutter centering it. I just want to see more from that third line overall. I'm really glad that uh, Jake has been given the opportunity to step up with Bo. We saw it result in a goal last night. Jake's been noticeable the last two games, in my opinion. Um, but the third line either needs to help out that fourth line or help out their one and two with some scoring. It's the, it's the Achilles heel on this team right now, in my opinion. 
The third line. Yeah, the third line. Penalty killing's been great. Power play's still a work in progress, but it, they have all the pieces that they need to get a good power play on this team. Um, the third line needs more of an identity. Did you feel like it was going better when Adam Gaudet was there? I wouldn't say I feel like it was going better. I feel like offensively they probably had more chances, but, um, you know, Sutter in his role so far this season has exceeded a lot of people's, people's expectations. Should he probably be jarring a few more and having a few more chances in the offensive zone? Pro- yeah. And and does he look better? Like he he has more chances to do that when he's on the wing? I think so. Um, is he a playmaker at center? No. Is Godet more of a playmaker at center? Yeah. So if – you know, you really want to see something from that third line. That's the mix you're going to have to play with a little bit, I think. You know, uh, Lebo too. Like, Lebo's another guy who we haven't really talked too much about. Uh, he's got a really good shot, but he's not necessarily uh, producing, whether that was up on the second line with Pearson and Bo or down on this third line. Like, that whole line needs to kind of get to work a little bit better. And uh, you know what? The other thing that nobody's really talking about that uh, I think the Canucks, it's not a cause for concern, but it certainly it certainly um, hasn't been apparent is is Petey hitting the net, right? Like, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind a guy like Petey will get going, but his shot is off. Well, here's one thing to think about about the Canucks right now. They have a nice, they've been on a nice run. They're 6-3 and three to start the season. But their two best players... Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson haven't really found their stride. Pettersson, though, still has 10 points in nine games. Yeah. Besser has seven points in nine in nine games. So, Well, Petey and JT Miller are tied for the point lead on the team. Yeah. So they are producing, you know, and that line is producing. But, you know, we're not seeing the snipes that we saw last year from either of those guys. Yeah. But I still, I'm still not really that worried about it. I'm not. It's going to wor- come. I'm not worried about it. I'm just saying we haven't seen it. Yeah. You know? I mean, and I, I, think, I, think I think he will get going. just a little bit off. Just a little bit off with he this has. clapper. He's been a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, what, but like he said, he even said it. People are, teams are keying in on him. It's different. He has to find a way to adjust. He said that himself. That's why I think putting another D-man on that, on that power play is very crucial. Because when you have that ability to get that pass from one side to the other and it's not off a defender's backhand, it's off his forehand and, and it's a crisp pass and you have PD in the dot and Besser in the dot on opposite sides, they can get those shots off quicker. So you're suggesting their inability to snipe is based on deployment here? I think their inability to snipe on the power play is not getting the shots off quick enough because they are being looked at. They are being defended very quickly. And and and. The crispness and speed of how a power play r- r- is run comes from the back end, right? Everybody was pissed off at Edler when Brock was all on his offhand because they're like, oh, Edler, you got to make that pass to Brock. You got to get it to him quicker. Well, it's not easy for Edler because Edler's left-handed, and if he's playing the pivot on the top, he's got to make a nice, crisp backhanded pass to Besser to one-time it. Not an easy thing to do. Kind of a harder pass to make. Whereas if you had a guy who was right-handed – to just make that pass quickly to a guy in the dot with the ability for a one-timer, you're going to get that speed, and you're going to make it harder for the goalie to come across and the players to come across. It's like it's simple, really, when you think about it. You're nodding your head. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a power play specialist, so 
I uh, I just watch it and I can uh, observe and I just think they need to get their shots off quicker. That's it. Yeah. That's all I see. That's all I see. I, so, like, yeah. And I think doing that gives them the opportunity to get their shots off quicker. Yeah. Petey might be just holding on to his stick a little tight too because his aim is a little off. It's a long season. You can't score every night. So hopefully those guys jar a couple of more. Uh, speaking of, the next couple of games for the Canucks, they're home against Washington on Friday. That's fun. Ovechkin in town. And then against Florida next Monday and then next Wednesday against L.A. So these are winnable games. Well, I mean, Washington's going to be tough, obviously. Florida's not bad either, but you're home. These are teams traveling. And then at L.A. next Wednesday. So uh, not bad. We didn't really touch on the, the, the win against the Blues in the Blues barn, hey? Like, that's a huge win for this that team was a come on the from road. Behind. Come from to behind. come from behind win on the road against the team that won the Stanley Cup last year. You know, it's it's pretty big. Like, compared to the wins against Detroit, who, you know, missed the playoffs and all these other things, that, to me, going into the road trip, I thought was going to be the biggest test. And the Canucks ended up passing with flying colors. My brother, I was talking to him last night, and he was trying to tell me, because I told him, oh, nice start for the Canucks. He's like, yeah, but they barely played any real teams yet and i'm like well it's not necessarily true they had the good win against st louis which he conceded uh and then they had a game against calgary that seems like a real team right yeah that's that's the funniest thing about you and your brother hey it's, yeah. it's never just to talk about how each other are doing it's always like this is a battle of who is right and who is wrong it's always seems to be that way especially when it comes to sports like it, it does. It, it's always like the littlest things. Like a week ago, he was trying to tell me that Kale McCarr is better than Quinn Hughes. Sample size isn't like, big enough, like, right? Yeah, and, and I was like, "Why are we having this conversation right now?" Yeah, yeah. So it always seems to be a little detail like that. And uh, his conversation with me last night was about whether the Canucks had played any good or not yet. So well, I think they have. It's been a kind of a soft schedule to start, right? They did have those two road games. They probably should have beaten the Oilers, right? So they should be they, seven and yeah. I I feel like they played two. well enough to beat the Oilers, but also I don't think the Canucks. When you're playing those games so far apart, like Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, I don't think that team gets a chance to kind of find a rhythm and really dial it in. So I like you know losing to the Flames there, and especially because the Flames are a better team, is not really a surprise to me. Like the Canucks aren't going to win every game, obviously, but you know going ahead to play Washington here on Friday, like that's a huge game for them again, because that team is going to be a contender, and you know it's these games against like St. Louis, the Capitals, like the Canucks need to show up for Florida's mark markedly better, right? Like mm-hmm. they're. You know, getting Bavrovsky, who's a legit goaltender and probably, like, one of the better regular season goaltenders anyways of the last, like, five years, you know, like, that's going to be a test for them too. So, yeah, like, we're going to see what this team is made of even more. But, uh, you know, when when your best guys aren't potting goals and you're still winning games five to two, like, the Canucks do look better. Yeah. I, I think that's just fact. Like, anybody who says they don't look better than last year is flat out wrong. Yeah. I agree with that. And are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know. Is it going to be close? I really, truly believe that. It will be. Did you um? Did you hear any of those rumors about them moving Stetcher? I heard some rumors out there. 
I saw some, I saw, I, I, I don't know if it started with a conversation with Bob McKenzie on the air in Vancouver. I don't know, I guess Stetcher's name came up and maybe was a player that they could move, but I, think I don't Lebr- understand I think, why. I think Pierre Lebrun said something or about it Or maybe it was too. Pierre Lebrun, yeah. I, I, it was either Pierre I know, Lebrun I know, or Bob McKenzie. I know McKenzie touched on it as okay. well. Okay. I don't understand why, though, Canucks are going to have injury problems. Why? Because they think uh, they have some depth there and like Sautner and... But you lost Alex Biega. There's one guy that was always going to step in. Maybe just Hughes and Myers being just as steady as they are. Maybe maybe some people think the Canucks have that much more depth at the defensive position that they can trade away a guy like Stetcher, who to me was unsung hero last year. Well, I think Stetcher's played really well, and and Stetcher's a right-handed D-man, which are they are a little harder to come by than and than than a lefty, right? Like. Do you do you honestly think Stetcher is mad that his minutes are down? Do you think he cares, or do you think he's happy that he's on a team that's winning that has some depth? Yeah, I truly believe that second part of it, obviously. And then, like, I mean, especially with what we've seen in the past with guys like Tanev getting hurt, like, why would the Canucks even fathom yeah. right now to try and move a guy like Stetcher? Like that to me makes zero sense. I don't get it either. I don't know where that's coming from or who. Who put it out there? But, I mean, yeah, Stetcher's, num- Stetcher's minutes were down. Like, last game, he only played 12 minutes. Yeah. But why is his why, is, why are his numbers down? Why is his minutes down? Because guys like Myers and Hughes, are they're putting up big minutes right now. And yeah. No offense to Stetcher, but those guys are better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, Quinn Hughes, he's friggin'. Quinn Hughes, teenager. he's changed the dynamic on that back end. He's like, changed the dynamic of the entire 100%. team. He really yeah. has. Yeah. And Myers has too. And I, I said this watching the last game. I was like, the biggest difference on this team is they have two guys on the back end that are now being creative offensively. Last year, they only really had one guy that was creative on the back end, which was Stetcher. Really? Yeah. And he wasn't really a threat to score. Yeah. Myers and Hughes are both threats here. Yeah. And it's it's it has changed this team. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I just don't I just don't see why why the Canucks would even fathom moving a guy like Stetcher right now unless it was for just like a king's ransom, which it won't be because right now he's playing on the third pairing, you know? Yeah. So to me, I I you got to keep him. Yeah. Well, that's really all the Canucks stuff I had to touch on. Uh, you want to talk about the Buffalo Sabres being 8-1? Does that surprise you? I am surprised by that. Yeah. I, and I'm also really, like, surprised by this, like, Rasmus Ristolainen and stuff that won't stop. Like, everybody's been talking about how unhappy that guy's been for, you know, the past eight months. And it still sounds like he's on the block. Well, there was rumors that he was on the block. Yeah, for a very long time, there's been rumors that he's been on the block. So, But why, like, again, with that team, like, why would you want to trade that guy right now if you're just getting rolling? Yeah. Sabres, 8-1-1, one, and one, coming off a uh, 4-3 win over the Sharks on Tuesday night. Uh, I think I was quoted in saying on this podcast that uh, I thought the uh, Sabres might be a playoff team this year. The Sabres? Yeah. yeah. And I remember me saying... Last year, they looked like they were going to be a playoff team, too, and they completely fell off about halfway through the season. I don't know if that's going to happen again with Buffalo. I think they probably learned from it, and I think in a lot of cases, they mirror the Canucks in the fact that some of these younger guys on these teams, they know what a season is like 
in the NHL now, so I think they're a little more prepared for it, whereas before it was new to them, right? Um, so to pace yourself, to keep your play up, to make sure you can make the 82-game marathon, which it is, it's a marathon, and then playoffs are a completely different beast, it, it really helps. It's like the first time if you ever go on like a bike ride or something like that and you go on like this path that you've never been on before, you don't have a benchmark to look at. You know, where am I on this? Should I push now? Should I push up this hill, save my energy to push up a bigger hill later? Who knows, right? Now that a lot of these guys know, I think it's going to be easier for them. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Art. I think they'll be, I think they'll be probably better this year. Yeah, At maybe. least potentially push for a spot. Are you concerned about the Maple Leafs being up and down to start the season? No. <laughs> They're too talented, man. They're too talented to be up and up and down. They'll they're going to make the playoffs no problem. Mm-hmm. I'd be more concerned about the Sharks in the Pacific. Right now they're sitting dead last, and something's rotten in the state of Denmark over there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's losing a guy like Pavelski or or what. But um, remember last year, Martin Jones, his uh, save percentage good. wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. And uh, it might just be that goaltending. He he had a, a pretty competent decor a- ahead of him, right? The team was kind of firing on all cylinders. Maybe this is the uh, the uh, Mr. Hyde side of the San Jose Sharks team that's getting exposed this season. It doesn't help when you start off against your greatest rival in the, the Golden Knights and they kind of lay the wood to you. Vegas is a good team. They're 7-4 and four to start the year. How about the Oilers being 7-2-1? and one? Are you still surprised that the Oilers have started off so hot? I'm surprised that they've started off so hot. Um, the whole James Neal thing is a good story for the NHL. But let's be honest, man. Dave Tippett is a far better coach than any of the coaches they've had in a while. The guy preaches structure. I mean, he took some not-that-good Arizona Coyotes teams to the playoffs when really they didn't have much. And, uh, you know, I think that reunion between him and Mike Smith might be a helpful thing even for Mike Smith who is a goalie that I've gone on this podcast before and saying I really, really don't like him. But, uh, you know, like when your your power play and penalty kill, last I checked, I don't know if this is still the same or not, but, like, last I checked, their power play and penalty kill were one and one in the league. I don't think they're probably as high anymore. But, like, that's Dave Tippett, man. That's Dave Tippett coaching this team to be efficient. So... The Oilers are going to be better than we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Well, they Will they make structure. the playoffs? Who knows? They have structure, which is uh, pretty nice now, I think, for that team with, with um, Ken Holland up there and then Dave Tippett. So I think uh, from the top, bottom, down, they uh, definitely look a lot better that way. Uh, yep, Canucks playing Washington next Friday. Uh, John Carlson, got to stop that guy. He's 20 points already this season. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, well, Again, talk about a power play that can hurt you, right? And I'm going to go ahead and say that I was wrong, okay? I said it a few years ago, maybe it was a year ago, that I didn't think John Carlson was worth the money when his contract was coming up and they were deciding whether to give him the big contract or not, and then he did indeed get the big one because I thought Dmitry Orlov could fill that position, and I was wrong. Yeah. There it is. I was wrong. Hey, man, nothing wrong with that, man. We're all wrong. We're all wrong sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you- that power play, man, that's a, a key for them. And, again, they, they run that very efficiently. 
And I think the Canucks should look at that as maybe a template for their power play moving forward. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been good for years. Carlson and Ovechkin, unstoppable. Yeah. These two guys. And Nick Backstrom down low. Kuznetsov, well, that's high, high all-world talent right there. So it's tough to stop. You're right about high talent in Evgeny Kuznetsov. <laughs> uh, Caleb. What are you going to do after this podcast? Are you going to go to the theater and watch a movie? Are you bringing this up? I don't know. You want to bring this up? Do you want to get in a fight about this on Between the Stammers? Maybe. I don't know if it's worth it, Art, to be honest. But no, I'm not going to the theater to watch a movie. Why not? I'd go to a theater to watch a movie that I cared about, for Mm. sure. But there's not too many movies coming out these days that I care about. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. That's about as far as I want to go with it. I mean... You want to keep poking the bear, you can go ahead, but... I'm all for poking the bear between the stammers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, we could get into that, or we could get into uh, the football pick'em pool, which, if you were wondering about an update, Caleb Kirby still holds (laughs) a one-game lead over myself. Both with 12s last week. Both very respectable scores. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about this week's? Uh, I haven't taken a big look at it yet, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. I've looked at it. And how do you feel? I think there's three games that are up in the air. Everything else seems pretty straightforward. Hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll probably have to take a look at that so I can uh, maintain that lead and or build on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take any crazy (laughs) chances, though, Art. Like, why why go all willy-nilly when you're holding it down, you know? I got a feeling you might have to go a little more willy-nilly than I am. Nah, it's a long haul with this uh, pick'em pool, and there's going to be enough weeks where there's up-in-the-air picks where I think I'll be able to make some make some difference, okay. make up some of the difference, right? Well, yeah, sure. Okay. However, uh, however you see it. Should we wrap this up? Yeah, we could. Yeah, I think we should. You don't want to get into a big argument? Nah, I'm not feeling it. You're not? Okay. I th- I, you're you're just chomping at the bit for it. Why don't you save that for your uh, movie podcast that you do? You want to give that a plug? Plug your movie podcast. No, I'm just saying that we're uh, the. Yeah. Go ahead, give it a plug. All right. Well, if you listen to Between the Stammers and you're a fan of uh, entertainment other than the hockey variety stuff you watch on TV, stuff you watch in the theaters or don't watch in the theaters, as Caleb Kirby doesn't do. Uh, <laughs> You could check out uh, what I like to call the Geek Pod. That is actually is what that what called. you like to call it, or is that what it's called? <laughs> it actually is called yeah. that. Yeah, it's the Zone's Geek Out Podcast, is what it is, and you can find it at thezone.fm under the Podcast Network, which you can also find this podcast as well. Uh, you know, it's not just Canucks Twitter that this podcast uh, uh, is promoted; it's also promoted through the Zone's Podcast Network. And, yeah, so the Geek Pod, which uh, usually we get episodes out every Friday is usually how it works. And, uh, yeah, we talk about uh, things that are uh, geeky, also things that are in the uh, the theater and on TV. Yeah. And if you're interested in those sort of things, which Caleb Kirby is not. You not can, true. Uh, you can... Uh, you can check out that podcast. All right. Caleb Kirby sometimes is on that podcast. I've I've guest featured a few times. More on the more on the video game side, which they also do talk about from from time to time. Yeah, grudgingly, he uh, has been on that podcast. 
Good plug, Art. Good plug. Nice and short. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, on that podcast, uh, I plug between the stammers quite often. Good. They they make fun of me. That really the only thing I have to bring to that podcast is the plug between the stammers. Well, keep doing it, man. All right. As long as you're happy with that. Yeah. Trail of Curry's not biting here. (laughs) Uh, Even though we have a short pod, really only half an hour long. That's fine. I think it's good enough. We we talked about... Listen, there's not... Too much to talk about when the Canucks are winning. They're winning. They're playing well. Bo, Bo Horvat's been a godsend on this road trip, right? Like, we've talked about areas for improvement. We've talked about who perhaps we have to sit. We've talked about how the goaltending's been miraculous, right? I mean, we could dive into Utica if you really want to and talk about Berchi and Goldobin and how those guys are lighting the lamp like crazy. But, I mean, that's all you really have to report from down there, too. So, why not? Let's just wrap it up. All right. 